This conference will now be recorded. Good morning. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, could we please have a moment's silence? This workshop is for members of Al-Anon, Etanon, or other Anon fellowships or those interested in the subject matter. We will examine the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous as they can be practiced to solve the problems arising out of alcoholism or addiction in someone we're close to. We're not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Our views are our own and do not reflect the position taken by any particular 12-step fellowship. This is not a substitute for membership of or attendance of a 12-step fellowship. We are merely, merely to share our experience. If that experience is beneficial, we're pleased. Each week, a number of presenters will present on the step in question. There will then be room for questions and answers plus discussion. The sessions will last an hour or so. During each session, send the organisers any questions you have using the chat function. We're recording the sessions. Audio recordings of the workshop plus written materials are made available at the workshop blog. Links are posted during the meeting. Today, we're examining steps six and seven. I'll start off by giving a formal presentation of my understanding of the step. There will then be other speakers who will go into more detail about how their experience informs their understanding of the step. Right, so uh, as ever, the bits in blue on the screen uh, are the extracts from the big book and the bits in black are my notes. Uh, that's all they are. They have no authority. All of these materials are published on the blog. And once I'm no longer speaking and other people are, I'll post all of the relevant links. So you'll be absolutely up to speed. So let's look at step six. We have emphasized, let's just recap. So where we've got to so far is that unless we change, we're going to remain miserable and ineffective. And so we've catalogued in step four what needs to change and shared it with someone else, maybe with discussing it, maybe without discussing it in step five. It's the sharing that counts. And now we're at step six. We have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? Can he now take them all, every one? If we still cling to something, we will not let go. We ask God to help us be willing. I've heard people joke before when we ask, are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things we have admitted are objectionable? Some of us look around the room to see who's going to be zapped. Um, but no, this is not about removing the people, places or situations we find objectionable. It's the things within us, unfortunately. So. Uh, now, there are a number of terms which cause confusion here. So let's go through them. Willingness. This isn't about wanting to do something. It's being prepared to do it. If you have to unblock the sink, you don't want to unblock the sink. You're not very happy about it, but you're willing to do it, which means you're, you're prepared to take the action regardless of what is going on in your mind or regardless of what is going on in your heart. It has to be done. So you're going to do it. That's what willingness is. Actually, I quite like unblocking sinks, but that's a whole thing. Maybe there's another career waiting for me. So satisfying. Um, so this means that willingness isn't about an emotional or mental state. It's about a commitment to action. So uh, that's what the rest of the steps are going to be about. Uh, now, what it says is that we have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. So that the, the flip side is that unless we take the consistent action necessary, nothing will change. So the next question is, well, what is the action in question? Sometimes when people see step six, oh, I don't know, on the scroll, they think, oh, also, oh, God's going to remove all my character defects. That's nice. I'm going to sit here like a potato and wait for God to do that. Well, it's not quite how it works. Um, there is action, as suggested by the term willingness. But what is the action? It's not, oh, I'm going to remove my jealousy. And then you concentrate very, very hard on your jealousy, thinking about it very deeply, trying to make it go by sheer force of willpower. That's not it. 
The action is steps eight through 12, which on the surface appear to have nothing to do with the character defects. Um, so what we're really promised here, the proposition is that the defects will get removed when we take action. What are the actions? The actions of steps eight through 12. Uh, so we end up being very busy as a result of step six, but not on the defects themselves, on something else. And then the defects get removed as a byproduct. That means this principal idea of step six is still true. It's still God who's doing the defect removal while we're busy doing something else. And let's remind ourselves of what defects are. I think a very helpful definition, uh, I like things to be concrete, uh, is believing things I shouldn't believe, thinking things I shouldn't think, and doing things I shouldn't do. Um, wrong beliefs, it's like the settings in a computer system or an online account. It's a little bit of information that governs how the whole system works. Wrong thoughts, um, if you go for a walk or a run without any music, without listening to anything, without anyone with you, you'll probably start to notice that your mind is doing something. You didn't ask it to, but it's doing something anyway. It's thinking about things. And if your run is for 40 minutes, it will think about things for 39 minutes, 57 seconds. And if you stand outside, that thinking, you'll discover that although there might be certain aspects of it, like awe or wonder, or you might pray, or you might think of kind things to do for Auntie Susan, or you might plan out four useful things to do over the next six months, you'll discover that almost all of the rest of the thinking is pointless garbage, fretting, fussing, pre-playing, actions you're going to have to take later today which you don't want to take and you know how to take but you're pre-playing them somehow as if you're going to get over the stress of doing them later by experiencing the stress of doing them now or working out how you would explain something to someone else so that they change their mind and say yes that's very true i now agree with you i'm going to go away now or working out how you can explain something to someone so they do the thing you've wanted them to do for six months but haven't done. Um, uh, angry accusations from the, uh, uh, the presiding judge of the court. All of these, so this is wrong thinking. It's not at the level of a fundamental belief. It's what actually proceeds through your mind in real time. And then the third thing is much simpler, is wrong behaviour. Um, setting fire to things that you shouldn't set fire to. Opening your mouth when it should be kept shut. Keeping your mouth shut when you should open it. Um, uh, there's that morning prayer about, uh, you know, thanking thanking the higher power for making sure that all the things which are supposed to be open stay open and all the things which are supposed to be closed staying closed and if those get muddled up we're in serious trouble i think the mouth should be included in that god please help me to keep my mouth open when it should be open and shut when it should be shut you you get that right a lot of other things fall into place but here's the thing um behavior comes from thought so the body is not autonomous um uh, thought is driven by belief. So the real problem of character defects lies at the level of belief. So what's the solution? New beliefs. So the actions I can take to adopt new beliefs is to meditate on the new beliefs. The more I meditate on the new beliefs, the more the old beliefs fade away. Now, when I'm presented with a new belief, I'll give you a new belief. It may not be a new one, but it may be a relatively new one. Uh, everything is all right. There you go, that's a new belief. Everything is all right. Now, I imagine that one or two of you have said to yourself, or rather your egos have said to you, no, it isn't. 
and then shown you a pre-prepared list of things which are, are going wrong or about to go wrong on a clipboard presented by a woman with hair tied back in a tight bun somewhere in some department of your mind, things are definitely not going to be all right. Now, the thing is, you don't argue with the old belief. You say, isn't it funny? The truth is that everything is fine. God is in control. All I have to do is a sequence of actions. I can do the actions. Any action I can't do cannot be one for me to do. So everything is OK. I'm spirit. I'm going to live forever. Isn't it funny how I don't believe that? And yet it is true. The truth doesn't need me to believe it in order to make it true. My my assent to the truth is not a valuable contribution to it. What I can do is apply the new idea to every situation I come across, all the things I think are going on, say, actually, this is absolutely fine. It's already fine. It's going to be fine. Everything is under control. God will show me what to do. As I apply that new belief, it strikes me suddenly and spontaneously, oh, it is true. Isn't that funny? I didn't believe this for the longest time, but now I'm playing with this idea on a regular basis. It's striking me as as true. Um, uh, there's a, a step 10 and 11 aspect of this as well with with, with the thinking, which is the thoughts that proceed in, in real time. Um, so we're going to talk more in steps 10 and 11 later on about redirecting thought. But the job is to treat it like a game, to spot when you go into fear based thinking and to switch it uh, like trains on a train track by changing the points onto a faith based track. And eventually the old train tracks fall into disrepair. If they remain in disrepair for long enough, they're dismantled altogether. There are all sorts of ways of thinking that uh, used to be available to me, which just aren't available to me anymore. But that's going to take time. And so we consciously direct our new beliefs. We consciously direct our new thinking and. We consciously direct our action along the line of God's will, which is steps uh, eight and nine and 12. Those are the three action steps, um, real sort of out in the world action steps that are available. Uh, if I'm doing the right thing, then the wrong thing is by definition not taking the place, not taking place. And this is how my behavior changes. I don't wrestle with the bad behavior. I do something else instead. And the law, so-called law of substitution kicks in um, that two actions can't be taking place at once. So if I'm doing the right thing, I'm not doing the wrong thing. Um, now, it says in step six. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? Um, so what, what does objectionable mean? That means that I object to it. And a further point is on balance. And my favorite example is with cakes. I can still want to eat the cake. But if I conclude on balance that it's a bad idea, the idea of eating the cake is objectionable. So I'm willing not to eat it. So to find something objectionable doesn't mean that every last reservation has gone. It means I know where I'm placing my money, which side of the argument I'm placing my money. Now, here's the sixty four million dollar question. Um, if we're the ones that are taking all this action, what on earth does it mean to say that God is removing the defects? Well, there are several elements to this. The first one. How am I going to know what action to take? Ah, God's going to show me. Where am I going to get the strength to do that? God's going to give me the strength. So that new action, God is behind the whole thing. Um, so I, I have to take the initiative, but God is there supporting me every step of the way. Um, secondly, there's a, a wonderful line in Bill's story. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away root and branch. The branch is the bit you can see. The root is the bit that you cannot see. And so we deal with the bit that we can see, which is the branches, which is the beliefs, the thoughts and the actions. But the soul has two elements is a conscious element and the subconscious element. I cannot um, 
directly manipulate my subconscious. Things trickle down there slowly, but I find if I relentlessly apply new beliefs, thinking and action, I wake up one day or wake up in the middle of the day and realize that something has changed at a fundamental level inside me that I couldn't have accessed by willpower and effort and analysis. And that's the bit that God does. So when I start to apply new beliefs, thinking and behavior, it creates a tension between my consciousness, my conscious consciousness and my subconscious, because I'm running against what my subconscious wants. What God does is eventually over time bring my subconscious in line so that I'm back in harmony again. So it's like pulling an elastic band and eventually it snaps. And when it snaps, it snaps back to the new place. Um, and there's a third thing that seems to happen um, when I'm uh, running my life along the line of God's will. All sorts of things seem to happen to help make it possible. So I'm going to conjecture that strings are being pulled behind the scenes or to, to use new age terminology. I'm vibrating on a particular frequency and the bits of the world which are vibrating on the same frequency are resonating with that. Like when you hit a, a key on a piano in a piano showroom, let's say it's middle C, all of the other middle C's on all of the other pianos resonate, including their harmonics at the same time. So th th these things seem to happen in my life. And this is what we refer to as miracles, where normal, normal considerations of time and space seem to be overridden. Things get sorted out in a miraculously short time. People who should not meet, meet, and amazing things happen as a result. So these collapses of space and time are referred to by some people as miracles, and they can be insights or sudden corrections of thinking. You know those games that children play where there are lots of cards spread out. And if you can match two cards, the two cards disappear. And then gradually you're matching pairs until they disappear. With the errors and the corrections to those errors, what I find is uh, when the error is corrected, it's like it's like those two cards match and the problem disappears. Uh, so the correction is like a temporary thing and then whoosh, it's gone. I was really upset in my 20s. I can't remember now what it was about, but I was upset for like a decade. So I don't know where that stuff went, but it's gone. And that should, I'm sure in my 70s, I'll be saying in my 40s, boy, did a lot seem wrong. And I, I know now I won't remember in my 70s, if I'm still here, what was bothering me in my 40s. So what's the point in being bothered by it now? Anyway, the point is God is responsible for these corrections and perceptional miracles, which involves the error, the error being brought to truth, the uh, correct perception, neutralizing the error and poof, it's gone. And then you're free. There's just more space to move around. Um, and it talks about everyone, every single one of these defects, the ego's mode of living, which I've summarized here is grab everything you can from the material world and build up a flattering image of yourself while casting all but your allies into darkness. That's the ego's plan and God's mode of living. Trust God, clean house, help others, be grateful, be a channel for God to work miracles in the lives of others, rest in God in between. You'll see there's not much that those two little lists have in common. I've got to, uh, if you own one house, it can only exist in one part of the city that you're living in. It can't exist in two parts of the city at the same time, which is why I have to be willing to let go of everything. Um, there's a, a principle. If you've got a balloon which is tied to the ground with a hundred strings, if you cut 99 of the strings and one remains, the balloon is still entirely tied to the ground. If there is one, um, one, have you noticed that one tiny resentment or annoyance can ruin a whole day? And if your life is made up of days, then your life could be ruined by literally one small annoyance. Um, so there must be no reservation whatsoever. Um, and resistance. Uh, I tend to get resistant. It says if you if you're resistant, then you pray. 
um, sometimes I think I have to get rid of my own resistance. And I think the job is to go to God and ask God to remove the resistance. And there's a great quotation here from a 19th century uh, English preacher. I think he may have been Irish, actually, originally, but he preached in London uh, called Spurgeon. Um, I'm going to, as it were, translate it into modern English as I go. If you've got some difficulties for yourself, if you're such a fool as to be tying knots and wanting to get them untied before you'll believe in God, then I have nothing to say to you except, as it were, beware in case you tie a knot that destroys your soul. But if you're troubled with an honest objection, I say to you now in God's name, ask of God, you don't need to wait till you get home. You need you don't need to stay till you have left your seat. But now silently in your soul, breathe the prayer. God, teach me. Save my soul this day. End the doubtful strife. Answer these questions. So if you're resistant, just just go to God. And unfortunately, it, it's going to work. You know, that's why you don't want to go to God is because, you know, it's going to work. So step seven, when ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. So a couple of points. Uh, when Bill says ready, I treat that as meaning the same as willing. Bill tends to say the same thing using different words. So we have defects of character, twists of character and shortcomings. They're all the same. Ready and willing, all the same. Um, and here's a nice idea someone gave me. It says in step seven, we're addressing our creator and we are always under manufacturer's warranty. When something goes wrong, we invoke the warranty. We go back to the manufacturer. We ask for the fault to be corrected. iPhones don't mend themselves. You have to send the whole iPhone back, not just the apparently broken bit. So you just yield yourself up, say, oh, for heaven's sake, I can't. You gesture towards yourself and say, I can't do anything with this. Maybe you can. There you go. Um, I mentioned before, it's, you know, it's the good and the bad. The whole thing needs reconstructing. If, you, if you're renovating a room, you've got to rip everything out. Um, this this uh, next idea about step seven, I find very, very helpful. So the way the way forward. Uh, things these defects are in the way. Imagine you're driving along the road. The defects are obstacles on the road. What's the journey along the road? It's doing God's will today. It's doing the right thing today. And someone said to me a little while ago, when they're removed, if you remove something from the road, you're just moving it to the side of the road so that you can drive down it. Doesn't mean it's gone forever. So all of my defects remain potentially available. But as long as I stay on the road, then they needn't remain obstacles. Something a, a friend of mine says as well, God will remove any defect of character which stands in the way of, of your usefulness to others. He won't get rid of those defects which are merely embarrassing. So you get to keep the ones that are embarrassing. Um, something. This is another idea I got from someone a few years ago. Uh, my sponsor, when I got to step six and seven, redirected me to talk to someone called Lauren. I was very offended. I thought, why can't you talk to me? But he said, no, talk to Lauren. And what she said is you'll be given the opportunity to repeat every sing single character defect you've ever acted out on. Your job is to spot the fact that the opportunity has been given and to say to the higher power, show me a different way. We're no longer powerless because we've been given a different option. To have power means um, to have two options available and to be able to choose the right one. So we're not powerless uh, uh, anymore, but we have to remember that that power is available. And I think, you know what, that's pretty much I've, all I've got on there. I'm gonna invite people to share their experience. Let's stick to four minutes. Um, could I have a volunteer timekeeper, please? Uh, Alex, that's wonderful. Thank you. So, Alex, it's four minutes um, and a timekeeper who says Alex will tell you when time is up. And I'm going to ask people to share now. Uh, Emma, would you like to start us off?
Hi, uh, thanks for that, Tim. Hi, I'm Emma. I'm a grateful member of Essendon. Okay, entirely ready. For me, after I did my fifth step, I had this list of character defects. Um, I thought, great, I'll set my hat at them. I'll find a way of getting through them. I'll, I'll force the issue. There'll be some way that I can just neatly tick them off and then I'll be okay and I can get on with, get on with it. Um, it didn't work for me. Uh, the sixth step for me meant facing myself and I find it quite easy to lie to myself, to be honest. I need to question myself often and ask, am I really willing to change or is this merely lip service? Um, and I really needed to practice this willingness over and over. When I was a kid, I learned to play piano, uh, learned to play violin. I also learned to play piano, but violin is the one I'm talking about. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard a kid playing violin, but it's screeching cats kind of sums it up. In fact, my mum used to send me to the bottom of the garden. That's how amazing I was at the beginning. But anyway, as I practiced, I got better. But along the way, there were tons of wrong notes. Um, I had to keep at it. I had to not lie to myself and say, OK, this note is really right when it was wrong because, you know, it was obviously wrong. Um, and that's really what it is. It's about going through, playing maybe the right, the wrong note, fixing myself, adjusting myself and moving on. And that's what the sixth step really was for me. I try and practice. And even if I'm not perfect, I adjust and go from there. So um, it involves awareness, knowing knowing what I'm doing when I shouldn't, seeing what's not God inside me. That was a big deal for me. I can never really change um, if I don't really hear the note, if I don't really see what's going on. Um, acceptance, that's where I am, where I where I'm not fighting and resisting these character defects, which I'm really good at beating myself up, trying to do something different, saying, you know, God, this is me doing it again. I want to change. Help me um and surrender uh which is for me a choice and i can choose to surrender at any moment to act as if a different way even if i don't feel it inside um awareness and acceptance need to line up for me to surrender properly um my awareness needs to change so that i can become aware when i'm not acting in accordance with really god's will it's a process and with god's grace um, acceptance flows and when it doesn't there's that resistance that jerky like when I can't get the car properly in gear and it bounces along I say so many times to myself okay this defect I have it here I have fear I can't anymore God just take it please take it and sometimes in that sincere moment I can feel it's gone a bit um, and it's not permanent it's like you know when you're on a computer and the tabs are open and you close a tab and how quickly it is to go back to history and click on open tab you know you you know you know it's there um the joy of the sixth step i think is um is seeing what's underneath seeing what's real for me seeing that really um it's all there um i don't have to add anything it's all there underneath and i just have to try and you know get rid of the stuff that I don't want to see the stuff I do want and to, you know, it's a program of finding myself. In the seventh step, I think the humility is always the thing for me that stands out. Humility drives my willingness. When I accept I have no power, I get humble and I ask God. I heard said the fifth step gives us a sense of character, a sense of our character defects and fears. The sixth is the willingness and the seventh means how to do it. And when I have willingness to put the vision of God of how God wants me to be into action, then I'm really at the seventh step. God doesn't do for me that which I cannot do for myself. I know that. And I need to take that responsibility. And that's what it learned through prayer and meditation and to get an outcome with God. The action, that willingness really confused me at the beginning. And I'm grateful my sponsor said simply, it's like, you know, if I don't want to go to a meeting and share um, and I do, I'm willing. And if not, then I'm not. Um, yeah, so I'm going to end it there. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Uh, Ellie Sheva, would you like to share? Hi, my name is Ellie Sheva. I'm a member of SNN and Al-Anon. Um, so when I came to the program, I was not aware that I had many, many old beliefs um, and they affected my thinking and, they, and, and my actions. Um, one, one example of one of the old beliefs I had is that I thought that I need my parents' approval to be okay in this world. And anytime my parents expressed disapproval of a decision that I made, 
I thought I was being threatened. And as a result of feeling threatened, I took actions. And I would argue with them. I tried to convince them that they were wrong and I was right. And I raised my voice. I yelled at them. I criticized them. I was impatient. And I would punish them when they didn't agree with me. I would keep an emotional distance. Um, here, I met people who had what I wanted. And I was willing to adapt the beliefs that they had, even when I didn't understand them. And so one of the beliefs was that I'm spirit, I'm a part of God, and spirit is eternal. It can never be changed. And, and this means that I could, as spirit, I can never be threatened. And so now with this new belief, when my parents don't agree with something that I say or do, it's fine. I can listen to them. I can say thank you for sharing and mean it. And, and it's fine. And, and it just it ends there. I take it to God. I follow his directions. There's no more unhealthy thinking while they're telling me what they think. There's no more unhealthy actions. There's no resenting. There's no playing the victim, complaining to other people about what they said. And there's no rehashing it over and over and over again. Um, a few more unhealthy beliefs that I came with was that it's you against me. And if you gain, I lose. And I was led to jealousy and to be stingy with the things that I had. Um, that I need people to think and behave a certain way to, to be secure in this world. And that led me to be controlling. And that I need other people's approval to be okay. And that led me to people pleasing. And here I adopted very different beliefs that there's a spiritual world beyond the physical world. And that's the world of truth. That um, God is love. That I'm here to serve God by serving his children. And that giving and receiving are one. And as my beliefs changed, my thoughts and behavior changed. And so, so the question is, why not just work on adopting new beliefs? Why bother with the steps? And I think that this is the greatness of the steps, because every program that I went to until I came to the 12-step program, they try to teach me how to change myself. I can't change myself. I can't change my beliefs. I can't change my thinking. I can't change my actions. And what the 12-step program, the way it's different is that it teaches me, how it, through taking the actions of the 12 steps, it opens up God to come into my life, and then he does for me the things that I can't do for myself. So it's kind of like a farmer. A farmer works the land, he clears the field, he plows the plows, he plants the seeds, he waters the seeds, and everything else that a farmer needs to do. But the farmer can't make the crops grow. All he can do is prepare the land. And then the results of preparing the land, if the crops grow or not, that's up to God. And I'm like the farmer. I can't change my beliefs, my thoughts, or my behaviors, but I can prepare the land. And the way I prepare myself for God coming into my life and changing me is through working the steps. So after step six and seven, I worked steps eight and nine. I made all my amends and God relieved me from the guilt that I had and my mind became a little bit quieter. And then I continue with step 10 and 11. I was watching for old beliefs, thoughts and behaviors. And when they crop up, I ask God to remove them. I talk things through with my sponsor and my friends. I ask God to show me how um, I could be of service to him. I take inventory. I ask God what my corrective measures are and I do them. And I do this day after day, year after year. And God comes in and he changes my, my beliefs, my thoughts, and my behaviors. Um, and I, as I become entirely ready for God to remove them, it becomes clearer and clearer to me that I can't change things on my own. And so that leads me to humbly ask God to remove them. And as God changes my beliefs, I become more aware that I don't need specific people to do specific things. Um, I become aware that my, I'm here in order to serve God as he Hi. sees fit. Thank you. And I'll just end with it helps me become detached from end results. And as I become more and more detached from end results, um, I'm, I less and less act out on my character defects. I'll leave it there. Thank you. Uh, Osha, would you like to share? Hi, everyone. I'm Osha, a member of Al-Anon. Um, thank you, everyone, for your shares. Um, they've been really, really helpful to me. Um, so for me, the way that step seven has worked over the years is that, um, the time gets shorter between doing a behavior that I don't want to do and realizing that I did the behavior and doing the work around it. So when I first came into program, I was doing a step four about stuff that happened decades ago. And as I continued to come to program, I started realizing that I did behaviors that happened months ago or weeks ago, and then it slowly shortened to hours ago, or I just did it, or then I was in the middle of a conversation with someone and I said, are we fighting about hummus? And he said, yes. And I said, well, then I'm done. <laughs> 
And then, and then I'm actually able to say, you know, I, I'm noticing that I'm going in this direction. I know what the outcome is every time I do that. And I don't want to do it anymore. Um, so higher power, can you please help me? And I, I, I'll say that I'm just amazed at having the tools to be able to do any of this and to watch how higher power makes changes in me. I, I just, um, it's just incredulous to me. Um, I heard that I pray as though higher power has not yet removed the defect and I act as though higher power has. Um, one of the things that I'm really learning in the last few weeks in, in particular, but in general um, over the years is not to beat myself up for having a character defect and for yet again, engaging that character defect or indulging that behavior. And um, it's quite difficult for myself. I don't even realize that I'm beating myself up until I call someone in program, talk about what's going on, say, this is the work that I did. And they say, listen, you've done everything that you can do. Now it's higher powers time. And I go, oh, um, so I find that working on something again doesn't mean that I've regressed or gone backwards. It's not a linear process. Um, you know, I can explain it in different ways, but the truth is that I've stopped trying to explain it. It just is. Um, just looking at my notes here. Um, so one of my sponsees, when we got to six and seven, had a lot of trouble with these steps, and I didn't understand why. And she shared with me that it was because she felt like she was kind of jumping off a cliff into higher power's hands, and that higher power was going to make Swiss cheese of her, right? Like take out this character defect and take out that one and maybe put something in place and et cetera. And like, what would be left? She said, like, I know who I am right now. And, and I, you know, I have this core and who am I going to be? And, and, and the reason that I didn't understand her was because I typically get to step six and seven, and I'm so sick and tired of these character defects that I wish that they had been removed decades ago, <laughs> you know, and I'm just, I'm like, please take it, please. Um, and also, I think it has to do with the foundation of, of a, a co all comprehensive step three, right? If I truly have turned myself over to higher power, I've turned my life over to higher power, I've turned all of you over to higher power, I've turned, you know, everything over to higher power. I believe truly that either God is everything or God is nothing, so God is everything, then um, I don't have to be worried about what the outcome is going to be. I don't have to worry about, about what I'm going to look like. Um, when I first came into program, I thought the first time around when I did six and seven that um, I, I, I visualized it as going in for a, an operation, a, a surgery, and higher power would remove, surgically remove the character defect and I can go about my way. But that hasn't been my experience. Um, it's a process as everyone shared uh, so far. Um, so sometimes I have difficulty with a particular character defect. Thanks. Um, and um, what I found to be helpful is to do some writing to discover what the belief is that's underlying it. Um, and typically there's a belief around a fear that if I let go of that character defects, X is going to happen. Um, and to, to understand that it's not true and be willing to let go of that belief. Thanks. Thank you. Um, Alex M, uh, would you like to share? Hello, I'm Alex, um, alcoholic, and probably anon. Um, so my experience with step six and seven is that I have to, I have to stop doing the behavior. Um, I like what uh, Tim said about the uh, the shortcomings as thoughts. Um, I would say reactions to feelings and actions that I take are my shortcomings in daily life. And my experience is, is that um, until I stop doing stuff, I won't change. The bigger change happens when I complete, completed the steps and started sponsoring people. And that, that happens, that the subconscious thing happens. But um, my experience is, is that I have to stop myself um and it's a painful process and i i heard this last night in a meeting and i totally agree i never 
I never can change if I bully myself into changing. I did that when I was in my addiction. I am, um, and I did that to people around me. You know, if I if I criticize and berate myself and punish myself enough, I will automatically, you know, just become this perfect child of God that I've always thought I was. That doesn't work. The only times I've actually changed is that when I gave myself self um, kind of compassion for why I do what I do. And um, I kind of like baby myself into stopping, like put down the cigarette. You do not need the cigarette right now. The cigarette doesn't make you feel good. And even just talking to myself like that, because I think um, it gives myself a... A moment to understand that I'm only just trying to seek uh, comfort in something else. Um, my experience as well with step, like I really just I I have a brain that really sees all my defects. I don't I don't I wasn't hard for me to be willing. I was very willing to be a different person, but to actually be that different person in step seven was different. You know something I'm learning about is that I'm I'm like terrified of being angry but I'm I've got an A star in anger so it's like I've got this real intense um contradiction in myself where I am physically afraid of being angry but yet when I'm in anger I feel powerful because I don't know anyway I don't know what that was about but my experience else, what else of my experience is step seven? Um, so this week I I felt off the beam in some way or just, I don't even know. And what I, what I see now is in my behavior is that I just now, I've just learned it's the law of substitution. I just take the action, action that I don't even know why I'm taking. And that's God. Like I just pray to God. And the next thing I know is I'm on an Al-Anon workshop meeting. And I don't, you know, I don't even, I've never come to this, but that's what doing the steps has allowed me to do is that I subconsciously will start choosing stuff that I need to do without even knowing why I'm doing it. And step 11 for me um, is how I deal for step seven. So every night I just write out what I've done wrong um, in not a punishing way, in a very helpful way. I use the simple review from the first 164 blog. And through that, you know, it says, what did I do today that I should have not done? And what should I have done instead? And for me, my whole recovery process has been like with my amends and um, with my sane and sound ideals is I've been able to see what a sane person would have done in that experience or what I should what I could have done if I had God's power to make the right choice the choice of love the choice of of recovery the choice of the person you know like the speaker tapes these people I hear that give me so much hope and joy and love that that choice and when I do that I am um, I start to like just start living in that space gradually my time's up thank you Thank you. Nicole, uh, would you like to share? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Tim. My name is Nicole. I'm a member of um, <clears throat> Alnon and AA and SLA. Um, but anyway, so um, thank you for this this meeting today. Um, I just finished a fifth step in Alnon about a month ago, and um, I'm on step six, not because I want to. I'd like to move on, um, but my sponsor is moving and all the rest of it so but um yeah it's quite uncanny how god works because um right after i did my fifth step i was presented with three people who were on my resentments and um i was presented with them in a way where i could change my behavior and how i interacted and two of them i did one of them uh i think i lasted a week <laughs> but uh anyway it's a daily reprieve and um and I really need a sponsor for this because, like, you know, Tim mentioned this idea of um, having your mouth shut when it should be open. Um, and that's pretty much the, the, some of the things that I do. Um, and uh, but then in that, I don't see how that's helpful or I don't see how opening up my, up my mouth is helpful only with God's help. Um, and I don't see when closing my mouth is helpful only with God's help. And then seeing that that is 
helpful. I need a sponsor to show me the miracle because sometimes I'm so much in it. It's like when you're used to being in a broken house or a house that's on fire and then you're like, oh shit, there's smoke. I better get out. You know, it's like the fifth set really kind of helped me see that. Um, so then, you know, like certain things um, where I did, I wouldn't have acted out before. Now I'm not doing that. So it's like, for me, it's like not doing, you know, it's like that um, three A's, what is it? Awareness, acceptance, action. So, you know, sometimes the action is not acting because I'm used to always fretting and then trying to get rid of the feelings really and holding people hostage. And, you know, one thing in particular is this belief that I am going to be forgotten about, you know, and it's like, well, it really goes back to that kind of higher ontological thing with God, you know, does God, did God ever forget me, you know? Um, so half the time I'm acting on character defects because I've got all these emotions and beliefs that are just completely intolerable. And when I sit with them with God, then I get a new opportunity to sit through it and not act out. Um, so, you know, so I need the sponsor to show me, yeah, you know, you're doing, you know, you didn't act out there. Good for you. You know, I'm too busy being like, oh, my God, I didn't act out. I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and not seeing that it's a miracle, you know, so it's like slowly but surely this becomes a new way of thinking. And um, I'm just happy to be here and share recovery with you guys. So thanks. Thank you. Rich, would you like to share? Hi everyone, I'm Rich, uh, alcoholic, uh, sex addict and anon. Thanks uh, for letting me share. Um, yeah, I like this analogy about the farmer. Um, you know, I, I can't make the flower bloom. Um, and, you know, my mindset is to ignore the flower or to run up to it and try and open the buds. And this thing about setting the conditions um, this is a kind of new way of thinking for my mind. You know, I've got those two poles, but this new way of setting the conditions um, is, a t is a totally new way of thinking for, for, for me. It's a bit like the, um, the sex ideal, you know, when we're invited to uh, demonstrate the characteristics as opposed to kind of running around trying to find somebody with those characteristics. It's the same kind of concept that I apply to, you know, when people talk about um, practicing the opposites. And, um, and and all of this for me, it's seeing past the old idea to the, to the truth that's, um, that's at the back of it. Um, you know, because this isn't, I, I think for a long time with me, it was holding my breath. It was kind of sitting on my hands and... Um, and um, and that was a part of the journey for me, understanding that it's not kind of holding your breath, it's not sitting on your hands, it's that you know there's got to be a transcendence um, in, in in terms of um, you know what what happens to me. And I like that idea about the eight to twelve of the acting part. Never never heard that before. Um, and substitution. I mean, that again, that was a, a, a completely uh, new thing for my mind. It's that kind of seeing that, that kind of process because I can be so absorbed in it, ignoring it, but it's it's facing me, you know, it's kind of staring me back in the face. And that was it. There's a real subtlety in not doing that um, and not focusing on it by not focusing on it. Um, and the other thing that came up for me was the spotting. What always helps me is other people, um, because um, I can learn a lot from other people. If somebody is doing something, or I'm judging somebody, or if I'm turning up, rolling my eyes about what somebody is doing, that tells me a lot about myself because I recognise my own thinking, and um, and so that is very helpful for me in spotting kind of parts of myself that um, that. Uh, um, are defective or thinking, you know, parts of myself. Um, what's new to me now is this side of me, the Alamon side, um, uh, you know, the, the acting out in the Alamon side, which is becoming apparent to me. It's like a, the opposite of the, of the, of the coin, the, the tails of the coin. Um, and um, so those, you know, characteristics or defects are, are, are starting to, um, and they seem less offensive because it feels like I'm protecting myself. Whereas the alcoholic side feels like they're kind of angry, kind of acting out. 
whereas the Al-Anon side, it feels more like they are defensive and I'm attacked, you know, uh, wounded and hurt. Um, so, yeah, that, this is a very new area for me. And, um, yeah, and God only removes the defects of standing away the usefulness to others. And that's the whole program of Step 3 as well. It's all about our, um, our usefulness. And, um, and being of service to other people, that is the, um, you know, that is the kind of the main purpose of, of everything that I'm doing. Um, yeah, that's all I've got, I think. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Uh, Osher, uh, would you like to come back in on, on a particular point? Hi, everyone. I'm Osher. So um, a few weeks ago when we talked about step four, I noted in my share that um, there are several questions in the Al-Anon literature about assets and making a list of assets, and that it might be more helpful to talk about this in the context of step seven when we're using the big book as our guide. And so, um, so, so the context here of looking at our assets versus our, our, our defects. Um, so first of all, I don't look at it as, as versus. I apologize for that wording. But um, being able to start to see in step seven, as I shared before, um, the, the changes that my higher power is making in me. Um, I, I was very grateful when Tim pointed out that assets and defects are both ego character traits. And so they're not really defining me. Um, but for me, it's about a measure, if you will, of how I'm walking in the world. And as an Anan, it, it was very difficult for me when I came in to see that I had any worth or any usefulness. Um, it's very easy for me to go into the extreme of uh, I'm a screw up and, um, and, uh, and to really be hard on myself. And so when I was able to start to identify assets and how um, how higher power essentially is shining through me, um, it was very helpful to me to help deal with the character defect of uh, self-loathing. Um, so thanks. Thank you. We've still got uh, a few minutes left. Uh, if there's anyone else who'd like to share, I can only see a couple of faces. Uh, Sophie, actually, you haven't shared. Would you like to come in? Sure. Hi, my name is Sophie. I'm an alcoholic, compulsive eater, member of Al-Anon. So good to to hear um, to hear all of you. Um, yeah, there was a lot of uh, I don't want to call it stuff because that sounds somehow uh, not very appreciative. Um, that resonated with me. Um, particularly, um, I don't want to say an old sponsor, but what I what I mean with that is a sponsor that is not longer uh, my sponsor. So a previous sponsor is probably the right term. Uh, she said to me, "Willingness that when I come to this uh, step, and it, it 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 says willingness, it means that I'm gladly willing." Um, and uh, I noted it down, but you know, now listening, I was like actually thinking, no, some of the things I'm not gladly willing. Um, it's, um, they need to be removed because they're, they're really actually, I mean, um, sounds maybe a bit dramatic, but that's really what's going on. They're killing me. Um, and they're not for the highest good. So, um, that was one thing that stood out. Um, and um, then I also had to think uh, of this. Um, I also like analogies. Um, and I'm not quite sure. I, it must be on the blog. Uh, but this analogy of lifting a couch. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, I have this tendency to try things very hard on my own. But um, even even I, with um, a couch, even with my little couch here, I know I can't lift it myself. 
So this this analogy of um, thinking of my character defects uh, as a as a couch, so to speak, and and say, okay, I need someone to um, to lift the couch and, and and get it out of the the space or whatever, because they have re it, it it just needs to be removed. Um, and then the, the other thing, um, what I miss like pretty much all the time is the um, the right spot to to ask for the character defect. I'm most of the time I'm running through the day and um, um, react rather than acting. And so if I can really just pause and really take the time, not answer the phone call right away, go to God and ask him or her or it, um, please take this from me. Um, then uh, that's actually progress. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Sarah Rivko, would you like to share? Hi, everybody. My name is Sarah Rivka. I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon. Um, yeah, thank you so much for the meeting and, and everyone shares amazing stuff. Um, so many things about me have changed, uh, my entire belief system and, and most of my behavior is just completely different than when I came into program. And yet it's all still there. Um, I see, I, I noticed, um, when I'm in a car, I, I tend to have some old character defects uh, return to me. And um, there's a very big difference for me if I'm driving the car or if I'm a passenger in the car. And, and um, I, one of my character defects is control. And I think and, um, and so I, I was in the car recently and someone else was driving and he looked down at something and I was looking on the road and I, then I gasped. And he looked up and was able to swerve to avoid a collision and he said to me, it's a good thing you said something because I did not see that car coming. So, you know, technically it's a character defect, but in this case I feel God did not remove it in that moment because uh, it was helpful um, <laughs> because of it, I'm alive. Uh, another instance was my driving with my daughter the other day. We went to the beach. On the way to the beach, I was well rested. I had eaten. Um, there was no traffic, and I was in a great mood. So um, I prayed when I was in the car. I prayed when I got into the car with her for a safe journey and also to, you know, please help me recognize that she's driving. She's a good driver. She's safe. I trust her. And to not interfere in her driving. Don't say anything. Don't make suggestions. She's in control. It's her car. I'm the passenger. Just let her drive. Anyway, to make a long story short, uh, the way there was very peaceful and fine. And on the way back, I, found, I was tired. I was starting to get hungry. And I found myself helping the GPS. So I laugh, I have to laugh at myself because the GPS works fine without me. But I'm giving the Jeep, I'm talking to the GPS, giving. She pulled over and we talked about it and she checked the GPS and then I said, oh my gosh, I'm so tired and it sent us a different way. I'm just disoriented. And she was fine. She loves me with all of my character defects. Um, my higher power loves me with all my character defects. And today I love myself with all of my character defects. I was embarrassed. Yes, it was embarrassing, but I laughed about it and, um, and no harm done. And, you know, I think that somebody, somebody mentioned that that's the important thing is, is that, you know, the defect is beating myself up for having the defect. So if I can, if I can get past that and just accept that everything is exactly the way that it's meant to be at this moment, then Bye. I'm like, thank you. Thank you, Alexander. Thank you. That's it. That's all I was going to say anyway. 
Thank you. Uh, I've got a couple of very good jokes about driving in Israel, but that's this isn't the proper venue for that. Uh, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. Our next session is next Sunday. There will be no workshop on the 20th of September, the 4th of October or the 11th of October due to religious holidays. Please unmute if you care to and help me close with the serenity prayer. God. God, Thank you, everyone, so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for the meeting.